Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is episode 48 of the Basketball Series. Welcome back to everybody who've been a little bit of a hiatus, a little break for both of us. Pro, how's the break been? Bogues, what's going on, brother? I'm, uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to be like our boy, uh, Bob Valgaris. I've been picking games. I'm, I'm not betting, but I'm picking games. I'm currently, uh, by the point spread, I'm currently 75 and 59. So I'm a little bit on a hot streak and I'm not going to make 800 million like him, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting there slowly but surely. It's not bad, man. 75, 59. No, no it's like 55%. Just straight spread. Is that what you're doing? Straight spread. Yep. Straight spread. I, I pick about four games a day mm-hmm. and um, I'll, I'll research them a little bit. You know, I'll watch, you know, I watch the, the package and stuff at night and, you know, just sort of pay attention to it. And a couple of sites are telling you like the percentage of, where the bets are going and how much money, you know, so what team has the most money riding on them that night in the matchup, as well as the percentage of the bets in general, uh, what's, what direction they're in. So I try to get off that, get on that a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it sort of teaches a little bit about the league and, you know, how, uh, how fucking dumb you are. And are you actually putting money on it? No, 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 I don't bet. No, fuck no. Come on. <laughs> it's like my wife giving me a credit card to go on the fucking pizza spot. Come on now. No, that'll be a fucking disaster. But I just wanted to sort of like do it just to just sort of a little bit of an exercise. Since I don't actually exercise, it could actually be my only exercise of the day. But it's not bad. Actually, I'll tell you what, though. These fucking point spreads, the guys who do it, oh, uh, man, the, you know, the people who do it, right on fucking key. And how many times you get fucked in the last second? And like, like some dick like wants to fucking take a shot down like fourteen when the line's twelve and a half, and they fucking take the you know take a three point shot just to take it, and he fucking drains it. And you're like this motherfucker. Like it's yeah, it gives you a little bit of anxiety. I'm not gonna lie about it. Yeah, no doubt. Betters, especially in 2021, 22, with all this coronavirus shit and guys just literally getting yanked out of lineups like an hour before games and, and you, Oof. I mean, it's, it's, uh, if you're above 500, you're doing well. So, you know, for all the betters out there, don't be too hard on yourself because betting on the NBA right now, even most sports, it's just an absolute nightmare because you just don't know, you know, one, no. one, one rapid, rapid antigen test shows up an hour before a game is positive and bang, hit. Superstar yeah. pulled out of a lineup. They were heavy favorites to now underdogs. You're just like, holy shit, like absolutely impossible. So credit to them. Let's get rolling. Uh, I don't know if you've been following a lot of the, a lot of the games. I'm sure you have. I've got uh, my team of the week. Pretty obvious one. The Chicago Bulls, bro. They've been um, they've been rolling, man. They they look really really good. Oof, yeah. I kind of said I had them in the playoffs um, in my preseason predictions, but I just thought. I didn't know how it was going to fit just because they got players that are kind of similar to an extent. It kind of was going to be a janky lineup. How would they, how would they, uh, how would their rotations work? But man, they look like geniuses there because they're, they're nine and one in their last 10. Um, they've won nine straight. The Rosen's looking really, really good. He's going to be an all star, obviously. 26, five and five at night. Levine's at 26, four and four. Vucevic is doing his thing. Caruso's playing real well off the bench. They've got some good role players. Kobe White's playing well. Well balanced, good team. Much, much better than I thought. And, and they're real solid. I mean, um, 
Ball's been playing really well for him from a defensive side of things. He's he's one of the better you know guard defenders in the league. And then all of a sudden you sub him out and put Caruso in, and now he's harassing their best guard ball handler. They, they have a really solid defensive team and a lot of guys that just fit well together. I've really enjoyed kind of the way they've played this season. They continue to surprise um, DeRozan. I don't know if you know this, pro. He was the first player in NBA history to hit two buzzer beaters two days in a row. <laughs> Never been done before. So that was a head, yeah. that was a head scratcher to me. And and I watched that um, Washington game where he hit that that corner three yeah. tough tough shot. Like did, did, thought I thought I had no chance of going in. But a guy that in the past that you know people have said he's not a winner. You can't win with him. This that. But they they're looking good. And I've enjoyed the Bulls, pro. Who, who do you have as your team of the week? The Dallas Mavericks, man. Seven out of the last ten, they beat in the last week. They beat Denver. Golden State and kicked the shit out of Houston. But, you know, they've done it mostly without Luka. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, they've been playing really well. You know, Luka was in um, protocol and, you know, Porzingis has been in and out of the lineup. So, Brun- it's mostly been Brunson. Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Dwight Powell's played well. They just got um, they just got Tim Hardaway Jr. back. So, they've, they've done well. I mean, they've... You know, I think it's good for them not to have Porzingis and not to have Luke in stretches. So guys like Jalen Brunson can get more reps and Dorian Finney-Smith can get more reps in a, a little bit of an elevated role. But um, I think they've been playing really well. Uh, Brunson's averaging 16, you know, 16 and 6 this year. I think he's going to get 80 million over four in the offseason. I think he's, he, he's going to be hard to keep for them. And uh, I think that, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith's been playing well and, you know, some of their role guys have been playing well. Powell, Kleber, they just got Kleber back. So, uh, yeah, they've been fun to watch. Um, on the Dirk's retirement ceremony, they had they, – they just beat Golden State. And, fuck, I took Golden State on my pick and fucking Curry, Curry decided to point shave that night and fucking take the night off and couldn't hit anything. And Mavericks fucking drilled them by about, like, 17. But, uh, yeah, they've been pretty good. They've been fun to watch. They have. They definitely have been playing really good basketball, and Aussie Josh Green's been playing well for him as well. I think he's been he's been pretty solid for him when he gets in the game lately. He's been knocking down some shots for him, and, and I agree. I, I like I like it when stars are out, like a Luca or Porzingis, and then other guys have to step up because it'll it'll help you down the line when you might have an injury, you might have a guy get suspended, you might have a guy get in foul trouble, and I think that next man up mentality they they look much better than they have, and they're starting to starting to find it. Team of the week, as in piss week, is for me is Indiana. Indiana. I thought they'd be more competitive than they are. Uh, I really did. I, I thought they would at least be in the mix for at least a playing spot, um, but they, they look horrible. I mean, the East down the bottom is still a playing spot, still accessible for them if they go on a little roll, but I mean, they've lost six straight, the two and eight in their last 10. Lineups are all over the place. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to find it so much so that Lance Stevenson had a hell of a game for them, mind you. I think he scored 20 straight points at one point, wasn't a pro the yeah. other night. Um, that he's come straight in the lineup and provide a bit of a spark for him. So at least that'll be fun to watch with him and his shenanigans and all that kind of stuff. He's a fun guy to, to pay money to go watch. But um, they, they've been they've been awful, and we have discussed whether they're in a rebuild, whether they're in a tank, and they're, they're still stuck in the middle of, of not knowing what they want to do. But I would not be surprised that they're they're a big candidate for me to make make a, a trade. They're tooled perfectly to get involved in one of these Simmons deals or be the third the third team involved to try and shed some of those those salaries they have on that roster for maybe a young prospect or some picks. I think they'll be they'll be heavily involved. Um, not as the primary trade target, but like I said, the third, fourth fiddle in a in a big deal, I think they're definitely gonna be on the table, Pro. Yeah, they've been I mean, they've been struggling. You know, I think that I think some of those guys are just waiting to go. 
you know, they're just waiting to they're they're just waiting to get traded and wait waiting to move on. They've had it's just not it's just not working. I, I thought like you, I thought they were gonna be um they were gonna be much better, much more competitive. Uh I just think that those guys are ready to move on and it depends on what they're gonna do. Are they gonna are they gonna try to just tank it? I mean, for now, look, like we talked about it, free agency wise, no one of any real huge value wants to go there. So it's like, you know, that's what they're going to battle. So you might as well try to get the pick. The only way you're going to get really good players there is if you get them, get them through trade or, or draft. And so you might as well go right now. They're, they're near the bottom. Uh, they're sort of reachable for that top three, top four pick. And you might as well, you might as well get that. You might as well trade away your players that you have now. Sabonis, you know, you know, Brogdon, uh, Turner, and just try to just retool it and, you know, see what you got. That's my opinion. But you brought in a coach who probably doesn't want to do that either. But, you know, what sort of decision you got? It's just, um, it's not looking good right now for them at all. I just don't know what they're going to do. Who you got? I've got the Boston Celtics. Just like, man... Blowing a 20-plus point lead to the Knicks. That was bad. It was, <laughs> it was funny. I, I, was on my, uh, I was on the phone with my boy. His name's Max Goody, Coach Loyola Marymont, big-time high school coach back in his day. And they were up 22. And I, don't, I watch the Celtics a little bit. I don't watch them a lot. And he goes, no, I've seen this fucking movie before, motherfucker. He goes, they, these guys are going to blow this lead. I said, Max, they're up 22 fucking points. No, 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 no. Trust me. Trust me. And here they go again. Just fucking lost in that buzzer beater. You know, the Spurs, like, the Spurs are depleted. They fucking lost to them. Now, the one game they did play well with is they beat the Suns. You know, Suns were a little bit depleted. Booker just came back. He, he shot, like, four for a 1,000. And then, and then they beat him by 15 at home. But they just have no heart, man. Like, when, they, when somebody punches them in the mouth, they just don't come back at you. And... Like, they're just such a disappointment. They got two of those players that are all-star level players in Tatum and Brown. They got Schroeder. They've got a couple other good players, Marcus Smart. And they just can't seem to get it together. And they can't seem to to really want to fight. You know, like Marcus Smart's a guy that, to me, like, he's a foxhole guy. He's a guy that you could trust. He's going to play hard. Not the best player in the world, but he's a guy who could guard, who's going to play hard. He's going to, he's sort of like a Morris twin, right? Just plays hard, makes solid plays. Not a great player, but he's going to give you that effort. And he can guard people. And those other two guys are just inconsistent with, you know, they could score 30 or whatever, but, like, the way they score 30 is just underwhelming to me. And, I think they're going to have problems going forward. They're going to have to make some hard decisions. They're calling on Brad Stevens to make some changes uh, in the media and, you know, in the fans and things. Um, I'd be shocked if they don't make a deal. In my opinion, they'll probably keep Tatum. They'll probably trade Brown. If I'm them, I'm, I'm looking at Portland and trying to either get Lillard or, or, you know, trying to get McCollum, Lillard, something and try to offer up Brown and see what you can get. Cause I think that they could definitely, add to that roster, but it's going to be hard. They got salary cap issues, so they can't really sign a guy. Um, they're going to lose Schroeder. They, now I've heard, I've heard because of Horford's partially guaranteed, they could probably have close to a max slot if they renounce some guys. 
so you could try to get a guy. I've heard that they're, they're targeting, you know, uh, Brun, um, Jalen Brunson, you know, to try to run point because they don't really have a point guard going forward because of the way they signed Schroeder. They can't really sign him for big money in the offseason anyway. So I've heard they're going to probably go after him. It'll be interesting to see sort of where they go going forward. But this week, man, just watching them against the Knicks in San Antonio, you're like, what the fuck? And be careful what you wish for with Brad Stevens, right? A lot of people are giving him shit. He can't get him over the top. He can't get him past the second, third round. They take him back at this point with open arms to coach that team. I'll tell you that much because at least they, they were winning games and they were, they were very fundamentally sound under Brad Stevens. So right now under under the new coach here, um, Udoka, right? They just... They're yeah. not. They're not. They're not fundamentally sound. They don't play with any passion. They don't have. There's no method to the madness, in my opinion. Besides giving it to one of those those two stars that, that get you a bucket, and they're currently in eleventh. They're, they're actually. I mean, if, if they fell out, I mean, them in Atlanta, really, like those two teams. You know, they have no business not being at least in the ten, and Atlanta's right below them. They're you know so. Boston's a full game out of 10 as we speak and, and Atlanta's a game and a half, which is just mind-boggling that those, those rosters, you know, they're, they're definitely not bottom five in the East, which is just head-scratching. But we will uh, watch that space and one of them's going to be out, in my opinion, the way things are going. I, I doubt both of them can scrape in even to a playing game, which is which is embarrassing in itself. The All-Star uh, ballots have come back, Pro. What did you think of those? You know, I fucking hate the All-Star game with a passion anyway, Bogues. I didn't really pay attention to them too much, but it's sort of like what you expect, right? Like, did, were there any surprises besides, you know, Wiggins being pretty high up there at 933,000 votes? But I think they sort of came in the way sort of it's working out the way you would think it would work yeah, out it's, no? look it's pretty close I think Wiggins was definitely one that was a bit high I mean if we go through the Western Conference real quick the front court this is 1 through 10 LeBron James 1 then you got Jokic 2 Paul George Andrew Wiggins Draymond Green Anthony Davis Carl Anthony Towns Carmelo Anthony that's a you know that's the luck of playing for a big market. Um, Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Aiden. I mean, surely, surely Carmelo doesn't make it. Um, in my, my opinion, Rudy should be way above Carmelo. DeAndre Aiden should be above Carmelo. Towns has been hurt for a little bit, so I'm, I'm surprised that he's he's that high up. I think the Warriors Wiggins probably might scrape in. Like I said on the call in, I think it's a coin flip that they've won so many games they might get three. Paul George is now injured. That could throw a spanner in the works. You look at the guards in the West. You got Steph Curry at one, Luka Doncic hasn't played a lot. He's at number two, but he's getting in Jar Morant. Clay Thompson is number four without playing a game, which is always huh. interesting. Devin Booker, five. Chris Paul, six. Donovan Mitchell, Dame Lillard, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Edwards. I think they're all pretty close. I mean, Anthony shouldn't be in there. Towns, with, with the amount of injuries, they don't have a great record. He's a he's an all-star player, but just hasn't played as, as much games as he would have liked. Paul George, some injuries there. Luka and Jar Morant have had some injuries, but I think they both make it. I think the West is pretty... Pretty close, um, in my opinion. The East, the ones that I had, Marcus Aldridge was a strange one for me. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, you look at the front court, they've got Duran at one, then Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, Butler, Jimmy Butler, that is, Jared Allen, Bam Adebayo. Miles Bridges was an interesting one. I didn't think he'd be that high up. Marcus Aldridge is nine and Vucevic is 10. So I'd, I'd probably take Aldridge out. Bridges is the other questionable one in the front court for me on the Eastern Conference. And then their guards, uh, DeMar DeRozan, number one, leading vote getter, which is. I think it's deserved. He's had a hell of a year. James Harden, two. Trey Young, three. Levine, LaMelo Ball. Kyrie Irving is actually in there. They're playing again or just played a game. Uh, Derek Rose, Tyler Hero, Darius Garland, and Van Vliet. So I think Van Vliet's a good one. I like that one. I think he's I think he's got every chance. He probably should be in there. They're balling too. They're playing playing some, some good basketball up there in that crowdless arena in Toronto. They've snuck up to seven just quietly too, everybody. So they're, they're, they're playing some good basketball and Van Vliet's the main reason for it. I think, yeah, it's, it's all 
pretty close. There, it is a bit of a popularity contest when you, like like we said, Carmelo Anthony can get in the top 10 based on playing with LeBron. But um, yeah, much of a muchness in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, that voting stuff is, it is what it is. I never, I, I don't really pay attention to it. I know we do. We did a show last year. I'm sure, you know, we did a part of a show, you know, sort of selecting the team and all that. We'll probably do it again. But yeah, I don't really, I don't really pay much mind. I think the last All-Star game I watched is, uh, probably when MJ's last one, I really haven't, you know, haven't really fucking watched many of those things in the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I guess the once the voting gets down to it and with reserves and all that, it's a bit more kind of, I guess you can watch it a bit more closer, but with the fan stuff, you know, it's just, just something that most purists don't enjoy. All right. JB Bickerstaff has agreed to an extension until 2026-27 season with the with the Cavs. They've had a hell of a start. Right decision, right, Pro? Oh yeah. I mean, shit. They're one of the top teams in the East. They're tough. Yeah, you know, I know they got hit with injury with Sexton going out with a knee, but and Ricky Rubio, I watched that game when he got hurt. And, you know, they I know they got Rondo in a trade, but they he's done an unbelievable job. I never thought it's not something to do with him. I've known him for a long time. He's a very good coach. Dad was an excellent coach back in the day. And, you know, he's been on a bunch of staffs. So I think he's a, a, a great young, you know, young coach that really works hard and, you know, deserves his recognition. But what he's done for this team, I don't think anyone really saw this coming. They're fun to watch. He's a good coach. They've got him in good situations. They play hard and they compete. They're getting a little bit out of Kevin Love, which I thought Kevin Love was like the fucking Titanic. I thought he was done. But he's he's sort of found his next his next gear, so it's pretty pretty interesting. What do you think, Bo? Yeah, perfect role for Kevin Love too. Just just come off the bench and hoist him up and plays his fifteen to twenty, and he's shooting the piss out of the ball so far this season. I think um, the acquisition of Rondo will help. Obviously, Rubio going down for the season with a, an ACL, I believe, and bringing Rondo in. I think uh, they they desperately needed a backup point guard to handle the ball. I think that's going to really help Kevin Love too because he's going to give him a lot of open shots off that pick and roll action. So that'll be good to watch. But yeah, much deserved. No one really expected anything from Cleveland this season. I know I didn't, and they've, they've just put it together, and they're playing inspired, good team basketball. They're just solid. Um, they, they, you know, for a young t- for a team that young, they don't they don't generally beat themselves, which is impressive. You know, a lot of young teams will be held to skelter, a la you know Sacramento Kings, those kind of teams where they're up and down. They look all world one game, and then the next game they look like a G League team. Whereas Cleveland, even when you beat them, they're not they're not shooting themselves in the foot. So that's um good to watch. And congratulations to the bigger staff. He's bounced around the league a fair bit, and he finally. He gets a, a nice little long-term deal the next five years, a bit of security there in, in old beautiful Cleveland. So <laughs> he'll get a lot for his money there, that's for sure. Paul George, a couple of weeks ago, tore a ligament in his elbow. He's been out. So for those who um, have been wondering what the hell's going on with the Clippers, they're not looking good right now. They're um, 19 and 20, 3 and 7 in their last 10. They're still playing hard. They just, they just don't have enough cattle right now. So he'll be hopefully back. They quoted four weeks. So we're about two weeks away from that, which hopefully they'll I'll get a bit of a boost when he's back. Zubats has been out. A few other guys have been in and out of the lineup. There is a rumor pro that Kawhi could be back for the playoff run. So he's ahead of schedule apparently. What that looks like, who knows? But if they can get Kawhi even at 80% by April, May, um, and then obviously Paul George healthy and they get their boys back together, they're a pretty dangerous team to be on the lower half of that Western Conference. You know, if you're if you're a Phoenix or one of these teams up top and you run into them early on, it's probably not a team you want to see with a somewhat healthy Kawhi. Yeah, it'll be interesting how that would work folks like if you know just say the date that fell into it, it you know falls into the, like game one being out the whole year how, how do you how do you sort of navigate that like how do you see him 
you see him really competing at that high level, even if he's at 80%? Like, is he a different, if he, is he the impact player? Is he going to have rust? Is it, is it going to take him three weeks to get his legs? Like, you know, as an athlete, what do you, what do you see in that? Yeah, they'll have to bring him back, I think, late season. You don't want to just have him limp into a playoff series, that's for sure. Um, so, I mean, it's that question of if he's not available till May, then you just, I doubt you bring him back into an intense physical playoff series. You just probably just say, look, we'll just have you ready for next season. Um, but if he can, if he can sneak some games in in April and, and get some legs under him, like I said, even at 80%, it's just not, it's not a team you want to face. And, you know, Ka- Kawhi at 80% is a lot of guys at 110%, right? You know, he's a very talented player, very high IQ, um, tough shot maker, you know, he's won championships. So just an interesting one, I thought, you know, if he, if he can come back, it's, they're all of a sudden not a prototypical seven eight C. They're they're probably better than that, but just because of, of of you know injuries and all that. So it will be interesting. Um, they have a they have a decent roster when healthy, but you know they, they just need to put it all together and they're, they're kind of up against it right now just to remain relevant in, in in the West. But they compete, but they just don't have they don't have enough talent at the moment. All right, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Woodpro. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. This was a hilarious story. So my boy Kevin Porter Jr. again has thrown something. I, I don't know what the object was, but he. He throws whatever's near him. He um, got into it with assistant coach John Lucas at halftime. They had some argy-bargy versus the Nuggets. So much so that Kevin Porter Jr. jumped in his car and drove home pro at halftime, <laughs> which is just just hilarious in itself. Um, the dude just, just got in his car and left. And then Christian Wood apparently had um, missed some COVID testing and delayed the team bus at shoot-around. Uh, he got benched, um, got, a, got a speaking to, and then, then was pouting throughout the next game. So a prime example of two very talented young guys like unbelievably talented nobody's questioning how, how how good these guys are at basketball they're very very talented have all the tools to be very very good players they just cannot cannot get some consistency mentally pro and and to to i mean i don't care what someone says to you at halftime to 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 jump in your car and drive home and think that that's <laughs> that's acceptable is is just absolutely bonkers bro well, you got all these guys saying that the basketball is a business, it's a business, it's a business. Well, why don't you fucking treat it like it's a fucking business? This is your job. Like, professionals don't fucking walk out at halftime. They were getting their fucking asses handed to them. They weren't playing hot at all. They were getting fucking embarrassed. All right? Coach lays in you a little bit. This is why our, This is what's fucking wrong with our society today with these players. That no one ever challenges them. Right? They all kiss their ass. And now you got a coach who John Lucas has been around a long time. I've known John since 1996. And, you know, that's how he is. He doesn't give a fuck. Like, he'll get into somebody's face. That's how he is. And he got in his face. I don't know what he said. I have no idea what was said. But it would take a lot for somebody to get in a fucking car. I've seen coaches and players almost fight at halftime. And no one ever fucking got in a car. Like, shit happens. You're getting your ass kicked. All right, this guy's trying to fucking salvage this thing. He's trying to challenge you. But this is why when they say this is a business, they don't understand. A lot of players don't understand what that fucking means. They only mean it when they're getting a contract. That is not only why fucking basketball is a business. You got to take your lumps. You're getting your ass kicked and a coach is getting in your ass. As long as he's not fucking crossing a line as family or something like that, then you just fucking take it. If you want to go back at him, go back at him. That's that's on you. You're a fucking pro. You do what you do. But this is what's going to stop Kevin Porter from being an NBA player long term. This is what's going to put him in an in an NBA grave early on in his career 
he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be out of the league by the time he's 30 years old because no one's going to want to deal with this shit anymore. He's going to run out of fucking teams. He's going to deal with this bullshit. All right? He's a good player. He's talented. He's not very efficient. He doesn't, sh- you know, but he's one of those guys who just, you know, jacks up shots and scores points. But he's got to learn that, look, sometimes it's not going to go your way all the time. You're going to get challenged. There's going to be adversity. But you can't handle it this way. You can't fucking cuss out you know, team officials and throw shit at them and all this stuff. And Christian Wood, I mean, look, Christian Wood, when he was in college, was a little immature. He's, I mean, he's done a lot better than he, I ever thought he was going to do in the NBA. And look, it's it's part of the job too. You miss a fucking testing or whatever you did. This is part of being a pro. You got to deal with situations like this and you got to deal with it like a man and you got to be a professional. You got to show up to your appointments. You got to be on time to things. You got to respect the process of being a pro. And obviously he didn't. So, well, especially John Lucas. John Lucas is pretty, you know, he, he's a pretty fiery dude, but he's pretty well liked around the league. You know, he runs, he runs those off season workouts or he did run the off season workouts before yeah. he was a, a, on, a, on an NBA bench. And a lot of players have a lot of time for him. Um, he's helped a lot of guys with mental demons in the past. So he's usually, you know, look, looked upon as coming from the right place. So for you to, for you to have a problem with John Lucas is probably more problem with yourself. But um, I just I just found it hilarious that you thought jumping in your car and driving home at halftime while your team was getting their ass kicked because you got chewed out by a coach was was the was the best result you come up with. It's just it's just mind boggling. And, and look, everyone like you said, everyone's going to have moments where they challenged and where a coach goes after you. And I was part of that infamous Draymond Green, Steve Kerr blow up in OKC, and Draymond came out and had a hell of a second half and. You know, made some huge plays offensively, and we won that game with that, that that shot by Steph. That's generally the reaction you want from from an athlete. You don't want the reaction of um, it would have been funny if he was on the road if he would have just went went and sat on the plane or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. What would you have done then? But uh, that's just another another tale, another I guess cog on the belt loop of Kevin Porter Jr. That just some whack crazy shit that he's done. You hope he hope he finds his way. Kyrie Irving's back pro. Um, I don't know if you saw his first game, but twenty two and thirty one minutes. He looked pretty good considering he hasn't played for two or three months. They haven't haven't played the best the last couple of weeks. They've they've hit a bit of a slump, but um, he looked pretty good, which is good to see. And it's going to be interesting to see how they. How they adjust to him just being able to play uh, road games, which is kind of weird, you know, because you're, you're getting a good rhythm, you figure, figure out lineups and rotations, and then it's completely different when you go home, pro. It's got to be tough, folks, man. I mean, yeah, they need him talent-wise, and, you know, they probably like him, you know, teammates and whatnot. They, you know, they probably need him, you know, in, in some ends. But how can you have any type of rhythm? Like, you can't play at home, you can only play in the road, and then some road venues you can't play at. It's uh, I don't know how you have any traction with that. I've never had anything even close to dealing with stuff like that. You know, in the NBA when I was in it, it I don't know how you would like, like I said, trick at any type of consistency or traction. But you know, look, it's uh, they're all in on it. So fuck, you know, I guess you you put your helmet on and see what the fuck happens. Yeah, and it's it's, it's probably affects Patty Mills the most because he was he was having a hell of a. Hell of a season. Still is having a hell of a season, but he's he's hit hit a few games where he hasn't shot the ball well and hasn't played very well the last couple probably about the last ten days. Where now Patty's out of the lineup when 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 Kyrie's starting, you know, that they've tried to play Patty Kyrie together. So, you know, there's a, a lot less shots for, for Patty now. I think um, you know, when Patty 
has that wide open three, he might feel like, shit, I've got to make this one because I might not get it back again for three or four trips. So they're the other ramifications of it. It can change the lineups up, the flow, the way guys feel. So it will be interesting. And, and I will note what's going to happen in the playoffs, bro. That, that's going to be the interesting one. I wonder if these mandates with New York City will be will be changed by you know May or something like that because that'll be the other one that'll be interesting. You can only play three to you know four games max a series <laughs> you know steve nash is definitely gonna gonna earn his money coaching the coaching those games i can't see a gov- government just saying it's okay to out of the blue i, I think they'll take a lot of backlash from it in my opinion but, but it's four months yeah, away, like, four or five months away till the playoffs though so hopefully you know the, the yeah. mandate, mandates are a whole other discussion but you look you look to australia we're at hundred thousand plus cases now the mandates are not doing anything at all in my opinion you've got you've got people that are mandated to not be allowed to go places and, and places are still getting shut down with cases so maybe by by then in my opinion some common sense comes to play where where the mandates aren't really creating any change in cases and they just scrap them all together maybe that that's that's what the brooklyn nets and Kyrie irving probably have all their chips at the table pushed towards is hopefully it just gets scrapped with more more time yeah mate like like you said more time and just just have him you know the more time you spend on this and maybe they'll get lucky with it and you know by him you know practicing on the road and i think they could practice at home too like at least getting some type of rhythm at least a little bit. And then if they scrap mandates before the playoffs, you, you could just go full force with it. But yeah, it, it makes it'll no be interesting. It, by the way, it makes no sense, bro. Like it's got nothing to do with health at this point because Kyrie's in the locker room with those guys. He's around those guys. This is all about protecting the community in New York and Brooklyn um, because sure. Kyrie's like, you know, got the plague more than anyone else. Well, he's around all those guys in the locker room. Those guys now are still playing in Brooklyn as far as I know, right? So, they're still around team personnel, the crowds, the arena people. They're still all around them. So, it's it's strictly a conformity thing and the fact that he hasn't conformed, he can't he can't play. But um, you'd, hope, you'd hope by mid-year it's some common sense comes to play. But as we know, this just continues to roll on and cause problems all over the world. But um, it is good to see Kyrie back because he's a talented human being. Zion Williamson, again, in the news um, around doing his rehab slash weight loss. He's doing it completely away from the team, bro. Um, Now, look, this... This can ring alarm bells to an extent uh, when you hear about these kind of things, but it is is not uncommon, bro. So there are a lot of star players that will do their rehab in their hometown, their home city. For whatever reason, they might have their own physio they like that has their own clinic in, in, in said city, away from their team city. Um, they might need a mental break. They blah, 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 blah. But I think the optics of it still don't look good. There's, there's obviously a disconnect between Zion and the Pelicans. His weight has been a, a topic of a discussion from the Pelicans and, and in the NBA. I know he's not happy with the kind of trajectory of the franchise, but do you see anything more than him just wanting to do it somewhere else away from the team? Or do you think this is this is some writing on the wall to how this is going to end up in the future? I don't know, man. It's just such a fucking shit show. You know, it's it's just turning him. It's not as bad as the Philadelphia Simmons thing, but it's getting there. It's real close. I mean, it's just, if it's one not one thing, it's another. Like, you know, he, he hasn't been happy there since the, almost the day he got there. And it just starts getting more and more weird. The weight loss, the injuries, the setbacks, the now he's in Portland. I would assume without knowing anything that Nike Global Headquarters is in Portland and he's probably working out there. If I had a guess, maybe not, but that's the only reason like Portland of all places. Like, I don't know. I don't understand why or what happens there, but. You know, I still say that they're going to give him, he's not going to sign the qualifying offer. He's going to sign the max. You know, they got to offer it to him. I can't see them trading him before it, but 
this whole thing is just you just like you just roll your eyes at it. And you're like, what the fuck is this? I mean, it's literally the fucking Twilight Zone. All right, and then Becky Hammond, um, long term deal to go over to the WNBA, right, pro? Five years. Surprising to you that that because you know she was lauded as, you know, was it was it the pop replacement? Was it was it somewhere else? Was it the first? You know, female um, head coach to get a long-term deal. She was next in line. We kept hearing that. And she jumped ship and gone to the WNBA. Are you surprised by that? Not really. Maybe three months ago, I would have been. But not really. I think that what happened, like, obviously, if she was going to be the next in line for pop right away, that she wouldn't have gone. She would have stayed. You know, if they, if they, if they, she was going to be the next person in line for that job. They would have said, hey, Becky, it's going to happen either next year or the year after. Pop is, you know, Pop's going to go whenever. They would have told her. So they probably didn't tell her. Not that they maybe said that she's not going to be the coach. But I think that they probably upped the money. She's probably getting like close to half a million at least, I would think, on their bench. I mean, she's pretty high up on their, on, on front of the bench there. So they probably gave her five years, I would say, at least that 500 to maybe upwards of a million or anywhere in between in my opinion. Now, coaches in that league do not get much money. They probably get like 200 grand, 150 grand, if that, you know, it's sort of in that range. So for her to leave, she probably did that. But I'll be honest, I think that she's probably getting a little tired of the process. And she's probably, they're probably saying to herself or somebody told her, look, go become a head coach. You know, like you're just going to be an assistant for now. Go become a head coach. You're going to make good money. All right, be a head coach, get in these situations, get better at being a coach, you know. And now if you do well over there in Vegas, that now it's a little bit more of a selling point. Look, she's been a head coach, she's successful, she's been an NBA assistant, you know, instead of just floating around being an NBA assistant and then getting these interviews and not getting the job, I think she was I thought she was going to be a head coach within 3 or 4 years. Like I, or if not before that, I, you know, that's what I thought. She just probably got tired of it. And she probably like, you know what? I need to go out and coach because I'm not, I think I've learned almost as much as I'm going to learn now. I've been here for a long time. You know, I've done summer league. I've done, you know, I've coached a game when Pop was out. I've done this. I've been here. Now I think it's time to do something else to at least show people that I can coach. I could be a head coach. I have presence. I can do well here. And then I can move on. What do you think, Bo? Yeah, I'm kind of kind of surprised that she jumped ship. I think maybe you make a valid point. I think she's probably just over the "Am I in? Am I getting a chance? Am I not?" kind of discussion, and nothing was eventuating. Probably got a bit impatient with it, and then enough money to to, to jump ship. That's that's a lot of money for anybody. I, I assume it's you know a, a five year, two point five three million dollar deal to get her over there. And and look, the WNBA. You know, has good coaches, and if they can get even more good coaches from the from the NBA over there, I think it's it's better for their league. Um, but yeah, just interesting that I think probably just got over it. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. But uh, I mean, I, I don't think she was a shoe in to get a head coaching job this soon anyway. I think you just don't know. You could there could be a season where you have three teams that want you, and then there could be a season where there's ten job openings and you you barely even interview for them. That's just the way the NBA works. Everything's about timing. Everything's about you know, is there a vacancy of a GM that you know that you have a relationship? 
relationship with, as we talk about all the time, it, it doesn't have anything necessarily to do with gender or any of that kind of stuff. So we wish her well. Hopefully, it all goes well. I, I just, you know, we can, we can now discuss for another five years whenever there's a female that has an interview of, of, of how it wasn't fair that they didn't get the jobs <laughs> so until, <laughs> yeah, until no it doubt. actually does happen. So hopefully, it does happen sooner or later. But like, you know, um, I think we're both big proponents of if you're qualified and you can get the job done in whatever job it is, it doesn't matter what's what's hanging between your legs. So I think um, we both agree on that. Yeah, I think I think that it's something that she, like I said, I think she just got tired of it and probably like, not tired of it, but look, I got to go out and coach and I got to do this because, and she probably leveraged it where, look, you know, I'm on an NBA bench, I'm good here, and they probably want to make a splash in Las Vegas. So she probably got a bump in pay, in my opinion. I think they probably anteed up a little bit. I'm sure there's some investor in the Vegas team that they could come up with the money. It'll be a good, you know, good attraction for people to come see. Yeah, that's what I. That's sort of what I thought of it. Uh, the NBA is discussing having an in-season tournament in future seasons with roughly $1 million per player in prize money, sources tell The Athletic. No real specifics of how how, how it's going to work. It was tabled at the you know, Board of Governors meeting and the owners. I'm sure they're all discussing how that would all work. You know, There's just so much questions around a pro. It's how many games is it? Um, does it just Is it strictly just a two-week block? Does it go over a course of weeks? Um, how many games is it? Is it knockout? Uh, does it then lower the, the number of uh, regular season games? Games, um, blah 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 blah. There's a lot to be discussed. It's good news to talk about, but I think there's there's a long way to go still before this gets any any track any traction. And I always find it funny when they they put a, a carrot on there for, for NBA players, like, hey, we'll give you an extra million dollars a year. It's like, yeah, will that will that help? Maybe a little bit. Maybe like you know, you're you're not non guaranteed guys and your guys that are on bit bet minimums maybe we'll, we'll, we'll love to play in that but <laughs> for a guy earning 30 40 million is as crazy as it is to say that 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 one mil is probably not going to make a huge difference to to their earnings so um it is nice to get a nice little bonus but i don't think that's going to be swaying guys too much to play an extra five or ten games no i don't think so and i think in my opinion they'll probably keep the 82 game structure and they'll just sort of put this in with it I can't really see them going up with games, but maybe. Who knows? I've always thought that the All-Star game, they should have done something like this, where it's a million dollars a player for the winner, like 50 grand for 100 grand for the loser. Give them a little bit more of incentive to make the game a little bit more, you know, just to clean the game up a little bit. Well, they do, pro. They do. It's 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 not those not of those numbers, but I believe the the winners get I think it's might be 250, I think. Um, and the losers yeah. maybe a hundred, so they do, and then they do it for the rookie sophomore, whatever it's called now, the world versus international. They d- they do the same thing, but is it really making that much of a difference at that 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 much money? You know, no, I don't think so, and that, and I think that look, like I know what they're trying to do, the European thing, the Copa, you know, the the Copa in Spain and Champions you know, Italy soccer, does it, yeah. yeah, yeah, they do it, and it's just different. Like people, the fans actually like the teams over there, and they love the teams over there. Fans, not all of them, but in my opinion, close to a majority in the NBA love the players, love the individual players. They don't bleed for the teams like they used to, and it, you know. I don't know why that is. It is what it is, but that's my assumption. We well, look at the that- look at the lead-ins, pro. Look at when they advertise games. They're not advertising two teams playing each other. They're advertising no. Steph Curry versus Luka Doncic or Giannis versus KD. So, yeah, that's how they promote things. It's it's nothing to do with, and you can't blame you can't blame the consumer because they've been brainwashed into that. It's like they'll they'll follow the player. They'll follow. You look at yes. how many how many Cleveland jerseys twenty three Cleveland jerseys disappeared when LeBron went to Miami, and then all of a sudden it was number sixes. You know, that's just. That's that's kind of the way they've marketed the game the last 
20, 30 years, and I'm not a fan of it. I think it's a team game, but it's it's definitely an individually marketed game in the NBA. I don't think that this tournament's going to really – I don't think these players are going to really be that amped, more amped up to play versus not. Look, they're gonna, you know how it is. Well, we've seen this fucking movie before. They're going to be amped up for the playoffs. That's it. That's it. And some fucking players don't even get up for that. It brings me back to the Michael Jordan line when it's like, I don't know if it was like Will Purdue or something like that, said, I'm going to bring my A game. I'm going to bring my A game, MJ. And MJ just t- turned over and said, just bring A game, motherfucker. I don't give a fuck about your A game. Just bring A game. Like, like, I don't think these guys are going to get up anymore for this thing in season tournament for a million bucks stretched over what? Five games, 10 games, three games, four games. So it's like 250. Like it ends up being, well, whatever. I don't give a fuck about the numbers. I just don't think, like, we've seen these 82 games. Like, there's like 20, 25 games out of most teams' schedules that it's just an absolute fucking stinker. Both teams don't show up. They don't fucking care. They've, they've, you know, they're, they're resting guys, whatever it is. And the game's brutal. How are you going to make this game? How are you going to entice these players to do anything like that? For a million bucks, yeah, I get it. It's a million bucks. But for these players over a five or six game stretch, I don't know how long this tournament is going to be like. How are they really going to be really more amped up? They're going to be amped up for that playoffs. Right? That's when you get paid. Not only your playoff bonus, but also like your free agency. That's the closest thing to free agency at the end of the playoffs. So you're going to be amped up for that. Everything's geared up towards the playoffs. It's not going to be geared up to our tournament. I like the idea. I'm sure the NBA is going to market it and a lot of people are going to go and they're going to be fucking all amped up for it. But I just don't see it being a, a big deal. That's my opinion. I just think that all this shit is geared towards the playoffs. Yeah, does it concern you, though, that they're, they're bringing these things out? You know, is, is it, you know, obviously TV viewership we know is down. Crowds are heavily down now. You know, coronavirus is playing a big part in that. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And th- there could be some rumblings that, that they they're aware the NFL is absolutely dominating. The NBA is not probably where they where they once were. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't I don't see how this is drawing new fans in. Like, hey, I, I never watched the NBA before, but let me watch this tournament. That sounds interesting. Like, it's like you've got your fans. Just keep providing the product that they, they want to watch and clean some things up every now and then, but haven't just, you know, I, I guess the plane, uh, we were probably critical of that. Uh, I was just wondering how it all works and does it does it then, doesn't really give you an incentive to win. you got teams that are below 500 that can scrape in, but that, that ended up working out well as far as the playing games. I think they were pretty high quality. So we'll watch the space, but I, I don't see it. I, I just don't, it's not something that I'm like, oh, I have to tune in to watch this. Like this is a whole, you know, I can't, can't miss basketball. It's for me, it's like, no, I can't, I can't miss the first round of the playoffs that's what i can't miss if i'm watching the nba i don't really care about most of the other stuff so interesting nonetheless don't think the money's going to really move the needle for a lot of guys but we'll uh we'll watch that space the athletic pro our good friends at the athletic so apparently they've they lost 55 million dollars in 2021 but they're exploring a sale of the company for three quarters of a billion dollars pro i'm not great i'm not great at maths i'm not great um, but a $750 million valuation after a loss of $55 million the year before. God knows what it was in 2020. And they splashed a lot of cash on a lot of different riders. A lot, they've, got, they've got riders all over the world. Uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, in this market, folks, like in, in our day and age, any entity that's like a media company of like covering sports, it's just like, how, where, how do you move the needle? You know, like you've got... 
all like, a million writers on. You got ESPN, you got Barstool Sports, you got Athletic, you got all these other people. How do you set yourself apart? And they hired everybody. I mean, everybody. Like literally fucking everybody. I just don't understand how they were burning through money. They lost fifty million. They let they fired and let a bunch of people go, and they lost fifty. But they're gonna buy it back for seven fifty. I mean, they're gonna sell it for seven fifty. I'll tell you what, it's you know, it's crazy, man. <laughs> how business is done is fucking crazy. It just doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's a it's a lot of lo- a lot of money lost. I guess the value is in in. The it's a da- lot of money laundered, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a lot, a lot of money yeah. fucking laundered. But I mean, the, what they're selling and what is valuable these days is is you know out of AI, the data, the subscribers, the, the yeah. eyeballs that they have is is what they're selling. Yeah. But the fact that they're losing fifty five million as of last year to maintain that data, it's pretty pricey. So, so they're obviously equating, you know, that business is equating that that's going to be worth much more in, in due time in three, four, five, six years. All those eyeballs, all those contact details, all those email addresses, they're going to be worth even more. So, we can kind of take the loss right now, but as a whole, the company's worth work. So, interesting that they're trying to get out already and trying to get out of there and, and move it on to someone else. Um, maybe there's some, some people that are getting a little bit nervous about their funds tied up in that, but um, that was... I know they're a, they're a company that's big on on having all these um how would you call I guess uh, seminars about wrong think and wrong say and uh, you know HR has a lot of uh, I've been told by a lot of people that work there they have to sit through some painful meetings from HR about certain words you can't use in today's day and era that aren't by any means offensive but are are, are deemed by the, you know the, the work work people out there about what you can and can't say they they're really big on that there too so maybe they need to spend a bit more money on on just putting out more product and less less indoctrination for their, for their employees the NBL pro is is teetering right now we um continue cancellations basically every team's had a covid case if not more some teams have had five six seven eight nine ten covid cases we're not in a position um like the nba where we can just go out and sign a bunch of free agents in fact it's it's what's going on in the nba has had a huge impact on on the nbl we see a lot of teams around about this time will know whether they've got a good import or a bad import and the teams that usually have an import that they think shit we don't think this is an import for us that's going to get us over the line or get us to a finals. We're going to make a cut and bring someone else in. Guess what? You're not bringing anyone else in because any any smart agent with um, half a brain right now is saying stay in the G League, stay in the US, stay in shape, and you might get a 10-day that, that that makes you 100K, which would be the NBL salary anyway, right, for, for a couple of months. So there's no imports. The import tap has been completely turned off for, for overseas leagues. So the teams that don't have imports right now uh, or they have an import spot up their sleeve have been, you know, they're in some trouble because I doubt they're going to get one. But yeah, man, it's there's been, I mean, the Sydney Kings alone, we had two games canceled over the last uh, 10 days. They moved it to another game and then the other team got COVID cases. So it's all over the place. Hopefully, that can all work itself out. But it's causing havoc over here in Australia. We have a lot of cases, and yeah, we're just not in that luxurious position, pro, of, of being able to bring in replacement players. Yeah, by the fucking way, folks, if you're a D League player, a G League player, and you don't get a call up this past month, <laughs> just fill just fill out your fucking application of Seven Eleven to get the get it the fuck over with. There's been seven thousand fucking players, including twenty guys that have been retired since the fucking nineties. That's fucking signed on with NBA teams. If you do not get a 10-day contract and you are a G League player, go fill out a fucking application. Because 
Every fucking buddy's been fucking like I think there's been assistant coaches in the G League that have gotten contracts for NBA teams <laughs> this past month. Well, Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson got a ten day. He was what forty two, forty three. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I think AC Green got fucking signed and we didn't know it. it I mean, give me a fucking break. Get Kareem it's, out there, shoot some hook shots. Yeah, everybody has been getting it. But yeah, back to the back to uh, Australia. It's fucking tough, man. It's you know, canceling games and stuff. It's got to be frustrating. Like you said, you got, you know, you don't really have the luxury of like the NBA of, of signing players. You can't go hub. You know, we there's people that are suggesting, well, should the NBA look to go to a hub again? The hubs, hubs are death. Hubs hubs were death for the NBA. So if they were death for the NBA and the owners are strongly against any anything that even starts with the letter H to do with coronavirus, they're, they're strongly against it, right? So you can imagine a league like the NBA you're not, you're not paying the bills. You're not turning the lights on with the hub. It just is what it is. A TV deal in Australia for the NBL um, is decent, but it's not paying the bills for the owners of the team. So the owners of the teams are like, we can't we can't afford to do a hub. Like we're, we're teetering as we, as it is like every other sporting league. So for those out there wondering why that's not an option, I, I, I just don't think it's feasible to put that on the table. All right, bro, I've got I've got one. I've got some – some. let me let – me, give me your thoughts on this. This is something that came up a couple of weeks ago. I've been hanging on to this for a while. It's been public knowledge. So the Sydney Flames, they're the female – a female oh, team in, 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 the, in the WNBL. They're actually part of the ownership group, so I'm technically the owner of the Sydney Flames as well. They're part of the ownership group with with, with under our umbrella that owns the Sydney Kings. So Shane Hill coaches there. He's a, he's a head coach. His daughter plays there oh, as yeah. well. Yep, so he's a head coach there. It's his first year head coaching. They're, they're kind of in a, in a, in a half rebuild, but a, a young group that plays hard, a few injuries. So anyway, their first game of the season. So the one thing, as you'd know, first game of the season for, for anyone is – there's a lot of unknowns. There's not a lot of scouting. So sometimes if you're a team that's not picked to do very well, you can usually maybe try to steal that first win against a good team because they haven't got enough tape. They, there hasn't been any games. This is Here's the example, right? So the Sydney Flames had a, a closed-door scrimmage and they had um, they had three WNBL or two or three WNBL referees come in and referee that scrimmage. They recorded the game, obviously. Mm -hmm. At the end of the game, a referee had came up to Shane Hill and said, "Hey, all the referees, boss, basically said, can we can we get that tape of of the game?" And he's like, "No, like this is we're not we're not sharing this because we don't want this to get out." He goes, "No, no, 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 we won't share it. We need it because we don't we haven't had a lot of games for our referees where they can actually get some feedback on." On refereeing, right? Like, so we're going to use it to train our officials going into the season. So it made sense to Shane. He's like, I, I get it. There hasn't been a lot of games of coronavirus for preseason, and and you know they they were they were cognizant that that they recorded it a good quality where they could teach their officials about going into the season, right? So he okay's it. He he says, all right, cool. I'll give you I'll give you the tape, whatever. Later on down the track, referee Simon Cozier has taken the tape and given it to the head coach of the Canberra Capitals, bro, Paul Goris. <laughs> Give them the whole tape, and guess who the Sydney Flames are playing in the season opener? The Canberra Capitals. So something's amiss because Shane Hill said that we hadn't played anything in public. Everything was closed door. We we purposely try to keep everything close to our chest because we wanted to come out and they they did they did some 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 different things going into that game where they thought shit like Canberra Capitals one of the championship favorites we're going to come out and do something completely unexpected and they were picking up full court they were trapping they were doing all that stuff. Well, the Capitals were completely. Prepared for it, bro. So the referee has basically they've they've done the investigation, found out the referee has given the tape to Paul Goris, the head coach of the Canberra Capitals, first game of the season. They end up losing by two or three points only, the Sydney Flames. Basketball Australia 
has a, a investigation once again basketball australia who has, has an independent committee or tribunal that that adjudicates that there was no actual advantage gained pro no actual advantage <laughs> gained by of course by getting the tape and i just sit there and scratch my head and i'm just like you know okay yeah i have a arm's length to do with the sydney flames but they gave the referee a year they suspended the referee a year oh wow they've given the head coach a handful of games till after Christmas and that's it. He's back coaching again. So they've they've made suspensions, but then I guess Shane Hill's point is it cost us a game. And 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 we they weren't expected to win a lot of games, but he's like, this could have been a season changing star for us. You know, a young group not picked to do too well. We we steal a game against a very good team. You never know what happens after that. But what are your thoughts? Do you think do you think I mean Shane Hills, I'm I'm on this boat. I think the points should go to the Sydney Flames, I think they should be taken off the Canberra Capitals because their coach was obviously involved in in cheating and it should be a, a heavy-handed penalty of, of losing your points. You know, there's nothing heavier than that. You get the L, the Flames get the W, we, we move on with life. Don't do it again. You've been suspended and fined. What are your thoughts around it? Do you think it's it's, it's blown out of proportion? Do you think it's it's absolutely bushly for that to, to happen? What do you think the penalty should be? I mean, it's total bullshit that it happened. It's just, I'm like, what are you thinking? You know, like, what what are you thinking? As a referee giving a head coach a tape that gives them an advantage when that coach specifically said, hey, you know, I don't want to give this thing out. And you had a private tape out of his hand to get the tape in the first place. The only problem with this stuff, Bogues, is whenever there's any cheating like this, and I go back to the NFL with the Patriots and, you know, the uh, New England Patriots when they were filming you know, when they were filming practices and stuff or walkthroughs of their, their opponents in playoff games or regular games, that they, they never get the game taken away from. It's always a heavy fine, heavy suspension, or a combination of both or not, and everybody moves on. I never see the game upturned or whatever you call it, like turned around and into the favor of the, 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 the person who got cheated against. So... If you're going against history of the league, these leagues and when cheating gets, you know, when people get caught cheating, they never really turn the game around. It's over, you know, and I think that I think the game definitely should be um, Coach Hill should definitely get the game, in my opinion. But I just sort of try to think of the reality of what's going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, obviously, it won't. It, it didn't. But yeah, I think it's Bush League totally. Like, what are you doing? I mean, that the only thing you have in life is your integrity, you know, and to do that for what? Like, if you get a million dollars for it, fuck, yeah, that, that makes sense. But it's just for a game. It's one fucking game. Like, what are you doing to give a guy an edge for one game? It's totally Bush League. Coaches, I will take an edge. coaches will take an edge whenever they can, right? Their job's yeah. on the line, but it's your court. I mean, if you really are serious about stamping out this kind of stuff, you take the points, you fine, you suspend, and you get on with it. But the other funny part of this was the Basketball Australia, they have an independent panel that sits on a, on their own board that that they came up with these the penalty, right? So they came up with referee suspended for a year, coach gets two or three or four or five games, however many he gets. Well, Basketball Australia has appealed their own independent panel. <laughs> of course. That's what's hilarious in it. So they've 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 appealed the the findings of the independent panel. And that's because of public backlash and 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 that's why we're talking about it to drum up some more backlash. That if you're serious about stamping this kind of shenanigans out, like you said, you, you gotta be heavy handed with it and you lose points. As simple as that. There's no umming and ahhing. If you're towing the line, that's uh, and you feel like 
like I said, I, I feel for the Sydney Flames just because, you know, this could have been a different start for them. They're, they're still, you know, winless, struggling to win a game. They start 1-0 and obviously spirits change, things change, but they might, still might not have made the finals or still might not have won another game for another couple of weeks, but it changes what they're trying to do in a rebuild, right? You know, you start the season with a nice win, you surprise a team, and they, they arguably have that taken away from them. So just something I wanted to discuss, I, I think um, Basketball Australia – they need, to, they need to fix these kind of processes and, and they need to be a bit more heavy-handed with it. They need to come out and just be heavy-handed that, you know, there's no tolerance on drug cheating. There's no tolerance on on, on blatant cheating, match-fixing, referees, coaches, sharing information, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's there's no tolerance on that. We can't we can't allow our game and the integrity, like you said, of our game to be questioned because then a lot changes beyond that too. There's people that bet big, big money on these games. There's people that, that are gambling. There's com- reputable companies that are involved. There's sponsors, you know, they all they all get have a bit of a, a stench thrown on them as well you know so you have to be very very careful with the domino effect of this and we just can't afford our game to be put into disrepute like this and we will watch the space we'll update everyone to see where that goes but just something that i thought was uh was noteworthy pro yeah for sure it's it's i did see it online like i i, I you know i follow a bunch of the australian basketball sites and i i did see the controversy people talking about it and it's crazy it, it's 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 insane. So they just caught this one referee. Whether they just sharing the game, would he email it to the guy or get well, I can't say like that? how it was. How they found okay. out. I can't say how they found out. I know how they found out, but it was um, you know. But people talk. Players talk. Players on on uh, on uh, both those teams are friends. <laughs> so, but yeah, the whole not just shared. It just he's the whole tape. He's the whole tape because I guess the referee and the head coach are friends and they know each other. And he's he's the whole tape. And I mean, Shane knew something was up when they. They knew a lot of their quick hitter stuff, late game quick hitter stuff. They knew a lot of it. They were calling their sets out from the bench, and Shane was kind of like, "How the hell do I know our plays already?" So he already knew something was going on. And then, and then you know, some girls got talking, and after the game, and this and that. oh, by the way, yeah, we we were watching your whole scrimmage as our part of our film sessions, you know, weeks leading up to the game. <laughs> They're just like, "What? Where'd you get the tape?" And then they pieced it together and figured out the only person that had the tape was a referee. And Holden Owen, he's he's now received the year. And like you said, like you know, they're not getting paid a shitload of money to referee WNBL games. And and why would you? Why would you? even take that risk it just it just goes to show and it has ramifications like i said on betting and, and different kinds of things people's careers people's livelihoods you know like what if us asshole owners said you got to win this game shane we need you to win game one this is part of your uh key performance indicators like we're judging you upon this first game <laughs> you know he loses the game you just don't know so i think it's i guess the the domino effect the snowball effect of these things is it goes it's like, it's like drug cheats right it's like if you're if you're in olympics as a as a hundred meter runner right and pro you you're a drug cheat you, you get the gold medal and I'm like I'm borderline top three top four and I'm like okay if I don't medal this Olympics I'm retiring and I get fourth because you drug mm-hmm. cheated but then four years later they're like oh yeah pro drug cheated hey Bogues here's your bronze medal but I retired or I lost a sponsor like yeah that's the shit that people don't see it's the ramifications and the domino effect of like hey maybe the guy didn't qualify for the top eight because there was a drug cheat that got that eighth spot now he's out of the eight. He loses a sponsorship for the next Olympics. Like that's what nobody talks about. It's all good and well. Four years later, they FedEx you your bronze medal, but <laughs> you've, you've lost earnings. You've lost marketing. You've lost even your your drive and spirit to give it another whole year of training to get from now what would have been bronze to silver. You can have that opportunity, right? So um, that's what people need to realize. It's bigger than just that one said game. We need to just make sure we clean up and, and keep people honest in, in in our sport. Yeah, I mean, come on, just have some some type of fucking respect. I mean. There's some honor in the fucking sport left, right? I mean, somebody's got to have some fucking honor left. And to do that, and again, what's the payoff? Some buddy of yours gets an edge on one fucking game? You know, like, what's the payoff? It just, 
I don't know. Like I said, if you're going to get caught for something, get caught for a million bucks. Get caught for 10 million. Don't get caught because some fucking jerk off buddy that you fucking, you know, you go out to dinner with a few times a year fucking, you know, gets a one game edge in a, in a league. I mean, I don't know, man. I think, I think it's bullshit. Watch that space. Basketball Australia. Don't fuck it up. All right. Stats useful or useless. Do you see this one? Josh Giddy. Zero points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists minimum has not happened for 51 years, pro. <laughs> uh, that's useless as fuck but okay 0 years, points man. yeah that's a good point but come on so he had a double double with 0 points alright there good. you go not good uh, I mean it's cool don't get me wrong I don't think it's that useful you think it's really useful no I don't think it's useful I don't think it's useless I just think it's a it's a strange line <laughs> it's a strange it's Norm, a strange Norm Van Leer from the Cincinnati Royals I don't know who the hell that is but he had 11 rebounds and 13 assists for the Cincinnati Royals 51 years ago and Josh no Kinney, points no Shit. points yeah yeah minimum, so obviously a minimum of 10 and 10 with no points Giddy did it but um, he's that type of player like he can, he can have an impact on, on the game without um, I don't think it's a flattering stat to have but at the same time it shows that he can affect the game without without putting the ball in the bucket which is pretty unique it's Draymond Green-esque to an extent stat news or what oh, that was all over the place that one was from uh, I just found that one on social media oh okay but yeah so alright next one Nikola, Nikola Jokic was the first reigning MVP since the NBA moved to five games on Christmas to not get a Christmas Day game pro. Useful, useless. It's pretty useful, man. I mean, you know, it's funny. You hear this all the time and I don't really pay attention to it, but like how he's not getting any love at all for being this great player after winning MVP. Like you think like somebody wins an MVP, like you're all over him the next year. Like you're doing anything you can to try to make him repeat. And... They're saying that, like, he's not getting any love for what he's doing. And for him not to get a game on Christmas is, I, I don't know how that fucking schedule and shit goes, but he's the MV fucking P. And he's, there's a team that's going to be, well, at the time before the injuries hit, had a chance to, you know, to challenge for the West a little bit. And not to give him a, a Christmas game is pretty interesting, man. I, I, I'd, I'd say that's useful. What about you? Yeah, it's useful. I've had this discussion. I just think he doesn't get enough love. He's not. He's not a sexy, attractive kind of superstar, quote unquote, player, right? Like he's not flashy. He's not doing windmills. He's not. He seems like an everyday, normal dude. He's, you know, some people say he's a bit pudgy and out of shape, and but just he's just a phenomenal basketball player, and and just just. Yeah, I mean the hate. It, it just seems like there's some hate. I mean, he's at, what is he at? Twenty six points right now at fifty six point seven percent, thirty five point five from three, fourteen point one rebounds, seven assists. You know, like they're they're Hall of Fame type numbers, right? And and he just he just doesn't get enough love for him not to have a Christmas Day game when there's five other games on. Being the you know the f- former MVP from the season before, it shows there is a bit of a bit of bias against against what he's done and what he's accomplished. Now people say, "Oh, he plays in Denver; they're not that good." It's still a playoff team um, as 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 we stand today, and he's still one of the best players, and he's fun to watch. Like I don't I don't understand where people think you know he's just like I said, he's not sexy or, or flashy. He's fun to watch to me. Like some of the passes that he throws and his skill level, and gives a lot of people out there that have had one too many beers, you know, faith that they can do something one day. <laughs> Oh, man, I totally agree. I mean, the guy's a hell of a player, and he won the MVP. So I, I'm just saying, like, you you would want to set the guy up to try to win this thing again and give him as much publicity. He's an international player, talented guy, just could do almost everything. Yeah, not not a sexy type player, but who cares? The guy's the guy does what he does. He's phenomenal. But yeah, it's it's 
it's interesting that they didn't give him another. Uh, they didn't give him a, a Christmas game, especially how important those Christmas games are. Yeah, especially with star players and whatnot. You think an MVP is a showing um, for that Christmas Day game, but it is a popularity contest, and maybe the NBA is something we don't know about about viewing numbers when Jokic um, pops up on our screen. Uh, here's one that you mentioned earlier. We have seen 546 players appear in at least one NBA game this season. It's already obviously the most in NBA history, and we're not even at the halfway point of the season, bro. Useful or useless? Useful, obviously, just because of what's going on with COVID and you know the amount of players that are being used just to see and it's amazing how many players that they've used and you know obviously for i mean we know the rules of it with covid we know we knew it was going to be an issue but you know 500 plus players already is crazy it's insane so you know i think it's definitely a useful stat what do you think yeah it's crazy man i mean generally what's a usual number is probably 30 times times 15 and yes you got 450 and so 350 um yeah i mean it's just a crazy crazy number right like it's it's one of those things that you're just like wow like how many how many more how many more you know so yeah we'll watch that space i mean um uh, they got they got every chance of hitting 600 the way this thing's going bro oh yeah for sure for sure i don't i don't see it really slowing down all that much you know as far as the number concerned i think that number will i think you could definitely see it balloon up to 600 for sure it's going to be crazy. And bad maths. Right? It is 450, 30 times 15 on a roster. And then, yeah, obviously, we've got three or four usually fringe guys. So, they're usually uh, – interested to see what, what number it usually is in the NBA. It'd be close to, what, 500 roughly with 10 days and whatnot, wouldn't it? Something like that. Yeah, you get 10 days. You get people switching out their two-way players. So That's like one or two players a team, maybe, max, right? Yeah, and you might switch out one because you max out the games and you got to – you like when you max out the – so the two-way players – at the end of the roster, so the 16th and 17th player that you have on your roster, you can, you know, you can play them a certain amount of games. I think they get up to about three or 400 grand, and but they can only play a certain amount of games for you. And then when they, you get to that number and that threshold, you have to either sign them to a regular contract and cut somebody else or have a, a roster spot for them, or you got to get rid of them. Or you can't, or they just have to stay in the D league. You can't use them. So sometimes, sometimes you flush those guys out. You know, you cut one, you make one a you you sign one to a real deal, all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 nowhere near what they got now. It's it's crazy the amount of players they've used. Well, they're fifty four players away from the mighty six hundred. So we'll watch that space and see uh, see what happens. But you know, continue to take our imports that we'd have a chance to get in the NBL. So cut it out, NBA. <laughs> Fact or fake news, what do you have? Sure. Folks, Ben Simmons rumored to go to the Atlanta Hawks. If you're the Atlanta Hawks, now they haven't mentioned players, but they said anything outside of Trey Young is available. Collins is available, huh? Yeah, so I would say Collins. So, you know, Simmons makes what, like 30 plus million? So it would have to be Collins and something else. So I'm thinking, like, I don't know, Collins. Pro- probably Herder, probably, you know, somebody else on top of that. Gallo maybe, uh, if throw in well, or something. Well, Gallo's, Gallo's like $20 million. I don't think he, they, they'd want him, you know, for, for the amount of money it would be unless they're going to take a bad contract. And I don't think that Philly's got a bad contract for them to take. They don't need so to, it's yeah. Pro- yeah, so it's probably going to be like either Gallo. I would, yeah, but I, I would say it's it's centered around – 
It would have to be centered around Collins because he want they want so much in return, you know, um, Philly for this trade. I can't see them saying, "All right, we'll take Gallinari and like Clint Capella for Ben Simmons." I think it would have to be, and I'm not a huge John Collins fan, but he is putting up huge points. I would think that it would be him. It would be Collins. It would be Herder. You know, and maybe like. I don't know, DeAndre Hunter, something like that, picks. So it'll be something in that neighborhood. Would you bring Ben Simmons into that? So basically what I'm saying is Ben Simmons to Atlanta is a good deal. Fact or fake news? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's a nut. I don't think it moves and really moves a needle for him. Um, so I'd say fake news. I, I think I think it's funny considering it's the one team that caused this whole kerfuffle with Philly was the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> I could shake him in that playoff series yeah. where he didn't want to shoot a free throw. So, I mean, does it move the needle for Atlanta? Mm, I, I don't know because, you know, I think Collins is a a good two-piece to lob guy with, 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 with Trey Young. I think they work pretty well together when they're healthy, fit, and firing. Ben brings a bit more of, 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 de- of a defensive presence, um, probably not as obviously not as much shooting. So... I don't think it moves the needle, so I would say I would say it's a much of a muchness move in that in that in that vein. I'd be like fake news. I just don't think it. I don't know what it. You know, I think Ben would definitely be better suited next to a. You know, maybe someone um, going going to Portland, someone that really needs his skill set. Whereas Atlanta, you know, they're not great defensively, but they're not they're not Portland, right? So I think Ben going to like a Portland or someone like that, where he can really uh, put his fingerprints on that team defensively, I think would be a better move. So fake news that one. Yeah, I mean, look, they've. They sort of hit a home run last year in the playoffs doing what they do and playing the way they play. And like I said, I'm not a huge John Collins fan, but the guy's averaging 17 and 8. And he's doing, you know, it works. Now they've they've been hit with injury. They've been hit with COVID. You know, they're obviously struggling. I just don't know if you're going to give up Collins and to get Simmons back. I'd be buyer beware on, on Simmons, you know, given up anything of like huge value to my team. I think he does have talent and all that, but I just think with the Atlanta Hawks, the way they're structured with, you know, you got Trey Young and then you've got Collins and Capella. You've got, you know, you've got Gallo who sort of does this thing when he's actually healthy. And then, you know, you've got the team, the way they play. I don't know if they're adding this other foreign element how it's going to do for their team. I, I I really don't. I think I would probably say, nah, I'd probably pass and just go on this core unit of guys that you've got. You know, but, you know, you know how everything's rumored. I, I just don't see why you would be excited about getting Ben Simmons if you're Atlanta. Plus, you're on the brink of, like, being a, a conference finalist or a, at least a second-round team for years to come. Why bring in an unknown in and, and just not know how you're going to, you know, sort of respond with that guy in your roster? I would say fake news. I don't think they get better. Agree. Boats. Rondo off to another team gets traded to Cleveland. Do you think now, like, Cleveland's a top-five team in the East, you know, currently – actually, I'm sorry, a, as we talk right now, they're sixth in the East. With Rondo in their lineup, do they finish top-five in the Eastern Conference? They're playing well. Like I said earlier, they, they, yeah, they're they just solid. They're a solid team. They don't beat themselves. I think he helps them. I think they, they – need with Rubio – Rubio was having a hell of a year, by the way, and you hate to see him go down the way he went down, season-ending injury, so we hope he gets healthy. I think Rondo will provide a bit of help for them. 
off the bench. Um, as we said, I'd like to see him with, with Kevin Love and that pick and roll. I think it'll look good that they'll just two savvy veterans that know how to play. I think it provides some balance. So yeah, I think they'll I think they'll be up there. I think they'll be I think they'll scraping that five. I like them. I think they're they're solid. Like I said, they're not going to beat themselves. Now this is all predicated on injuries and coronavirus, but I like the way they play. Uh, they do things a little bit differently than most teams, which is good to uh, to see. So I would say, fact, they're going to be top five in the East when it's all said and done. Yeah, on this one, I would say fake news. I don't think it has anything to do with Rondo. I think Rondo, look, I mean, for as much shit as he gets for like, you know, oh, you know, can't win with him, you can't win with him, you can't win with him. Well, the guy does fucking pretty well in the playoffs last time I checked, you know, and that whole story about him not helping your team is bullshit. Now, that being said, I just think the East, you know, they were hot early. They've had some injuries with Sexton and, you know, obviously Rubio going down doesn't help them a lot. They've got hit with COVID a little bit. My question would be, do you over, who do they overthrow to get to five? Because right now it's going to have to be Philly. And I'm not a huge Philly fan, but with Embiid and the guys they have and Harris and stuff, you know, I think that they could probably be solid four or five. You get the Miami Heat, you get Milwaukee, you got Brooklyn, you got Chicago. So I don't think they can get into five, but I don't think they're going to drop. A lot of t- a lot of people were saying, I was reading up on that right after the injury, that they're going to fall probably into the play in 10, 9 or 10 range. I think that they're good if they could stay out of injury issue, you know, problems. I think they're going to be a solid six seed. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to play them in the first round just because the way they play is different. They got size. They, they share the ball. They play well. They don't have a superstar, but they, they play well together. I would say fake news on this one. But again, not to do with Rondo though. It's got to do with more just the East. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not predicating it on on Rondo. I think with Rondo is where you form the question. So I guess I don't think he's moving the needle for him. I think they'll they'll be able to. Yeah, I mean it's. It, <laughs> They'll scrape in five, in my opinion. I'm just going to put my put myself out on the limb and just see, sure. see what happens. I mean, I don't, I don't love Miami still in four. I mean, they've got some injuries, man. So, uh, you know, they they could they could fall, um, and they're only two games uh, behind Miami. So Philly could go up to up to four, and Miami could fall down. So um, it will be interesting. I'm, I'm liking the middle of that that Eastern Conference is very very competitive. It's fun to watch. So I hope I hope Cleveland does well. I'm a big fan of of watching them play this season. And as we was talking, Miami's up 21 on Phoenix at Phoenix at, at, at halftime. I'm getting my ass kicked tonight. I'm 0-3, so they're the only fucking chance I got to win it tonight. So don't fucking jinx me tonight. Last one, Bogues. Last but certainly not least. We talked about Andrew Wiggins. And obviously, Clay's coming back tomorrow uh, against, ironically, against Cleveland. Do you see his production? Andrew Wiggins' production will rise with Clay Thompson back in the lineup. Do you see his stats really being affected? Do you think they're, you know, they're going to stay at the same level or do you think he's going to drop? Well, fake news, they're not going to rise. I don't think they're going to rise because I think just, you know, with usage and touches, when Clay starts to play more minutes, it is going to take away some of the some of the shots that Wiggins is getting. But I think Wiggins will still play just as well and be an integral part of what they're doing. Um, I think he'll potentially... Could be, could even be more solid for the Warriors without the stat output, if that makes sense. I, I just don't think there's enough enough ball out there. You know, Draymond's a high usage guy as far as ball in his hands for assists and whatnot. Steph's going to get his up. Clay's going to get his up. So Wiggins might 
lose a little bit of production as far as volume, but I still think he'll be – I like him in that role, like you said earlier, as a 2-3 guy, option on a team. I think he's very, very solid. So I don't think you'll – for a basketball purist, you'll 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 see much of a difference in his performance. But maybe on the stat sheet, you might probably see one less shot a game that he gets because Clay's out there or two less shots. Yeah, I mean, if they said – if I said – if I restructured the question and said yeah, efficiency, I would say yes. It'd probably go up because it's less str- less stress that he has because of Clay being back. But the production's obviously going to fall just because, you know, with Clay being back, you know they're going to go to him. You know they're going to sort of get him into the lineup, get him into into rotation, get him into sort of getting touches, feeling the balls, you know, getting used to things. So I think his productivity will go down, but I think his efficiency would stay up. I mean, I think he's shooting a career high in both three-point shooting and regular field goal percentage. So I think that that just stays because he doesn't have to be the guy on that. So I think it's a a good deal. So I think, yeah, I I say his productivity will drop, but I think his efficiency will be there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It'll be fun to watch. And shout out to Clay Thompson as well. He's um, reportedly playing tomorrow, Sunday, um, US time, um, which will be great to see him back. He's had a he's had a long, long journey back towards health, and and we all in the basketball community and and as an ex teammate, he's love the way he plays, love the way he goes about it. So I'm excited to see him back on the floor, and hopefully this is the last injury he'll ever have, and we'll, we won't uh, think twice about it again. Yeah, for sure. We got that. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Episode 48 in the books. Appreciate everyone joining us and letting us know that they missed the podcast while we are gone on a bit of a hiatus. So we will see you next week. Make sure you share this uh, at Rogue Bogues on all your social media platforms, uh, all good podcast. People have our, have our podcast there and um, at Hoop Consultants for the good pro. Thanks, man. Bogues, I'll see you next week, brother.